think it's possible for ordinary people to choose to be extraordinary. Elon Musk. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the podcast that helps you be the leader. I'm Jeremiah Sullivan. I'm your host. For those of you that are new, this is a podcast that teaches you how to be the leader in life. It teaches you how to show up at your work, among your family and your sport, as the leader that you want to be. But overall, this podcast is designed to teach you how to win. We talk about leadership and we talk about performance. You know, but overall, we believe the leadership is about you, that the better you become, the better your team becomes. So before we get into today's episode, I just want to remind you of why we exist, why we're doing this podcast, why you're listening. You know, there's a huge problem in this world, and that's poor performing people and poor leaders. And so it's our mission as a team, you as a listener included, it's our mission to fix that. It's unfortunate that We've all had shitty bosses, maybe shitty friends. And so the one thing that we can do as individuals is improve ourselves so that we don't become that shitty person for others. We need to show up as the leader that we wish we had. We want to embody the messages in this podcast and develop ourselves so that others see what right looks like. So that's why we're doing this. And that's what this podcast is about. So thank you so much for listening and joining in our cause. All that I ask is that if you find value in today's episode, if you laugh, if you learn, or if you're just simply entertained, that you share it with a friend. Okay, and that's every episode. If you learn something new and you think of somebody else in your circle different from the episode before, share it with them. Share this every single time. That's what I ask. Um, and that's our way of growing the podcast organically so that we don't run ads and interfere with the content. So we just ask that you do that to help us out. Now, today's topic today's topic is going to be a great one. We're going to talk about how to improve your performance by 100% overnight. How to double it. Okay, I'm going to we're going to break down strategies for it, give some examples. Uh but before we do, let me welcome my trusted sidekick, DJ DJ Phillips. What's up, man? We still didn't get that DJ name that we asked for last week. So our listeners are slacking. I'm not not happy. I'm pissed <laughs> off actually. Do you have a nickname for yourself? Maybe you no. can just nickname nickname yourself. No, I'm not supposed to nickname myself. That's stupid. <laughs> uh how you doing, man? I'm I'm doing I'm doing pretty well as far as I'm concerned. Um yeah, that's that's my answer. What's what's been the latest and greatest in the last week? Latest and greatest in the last week is my car, man, which we keep talking about. But I'm very I'm very amped up about, you know, making the second worst financial decision I've ever made and feeling very happy about it. Yeah, I know you got you told me you got a Ford, uh, but tell me, what do you think of the Ford Bronco? The, you know, I'm not into that kind of thing so i don't really have like substantial thoughts on it what are what are your thoughts on cars and then we, and then we will guys gals if you're new, <laughs> a new listener um we like to catch up first before we get into the content so we're just gonna we're just gonna see how yeah. justin's doing get, i'll give him an update on my life and then we'll dive right into the content like i said it'll, it will be 
life-changing if you're a new listener and if you are a recurring listener you already know that it is so yeah uh, if you want the yeah. content skip to like the 12 minute mark or something that's that's usually around the time we get there but um so what's your question what tell me your what kind of car person are you what kind of car person yeah like you said you said you're not a bronco person so what, what well, do you i'm not like? a car person like i'm i i don't know anything like mechanically about cars especially or that kind of thing. I mean, I just like I, for myself, I just like a car really that has cool features and sometimes kind of stupid ones. But it, it, when it comes to anything else about cars, like I just don't really care that much. I don't have that bone in me. But a lot you don't of get ex- you don't get excited about them. Do, or they're like, oh, I love them. Well, I, I don't fucking know. I just I can't fix them. I can't work on them. I know how to check the oil. That's about it. <laughs> and I know how to take them to the garage. Otherwise, are you a house? I find that there's usually two types of people that like. There's people that like cars, and then there's house people. Like, wait, if you like ever look at mm. study people that create vision boards, you know, yeah. some usually have this Your contrast. Houses. Yeah, one does houses and one does cars. Do you do you follow more fall more into the house category? No, I fall more into the car category for sure. Oh, really, it's just that my um like my desires for what I want in a car have nothing to do with like the with the car like I said the mechanics of it or the like I'm not into old cars I'm not into you could talk to me all day about your four cylinder six cylinder this stuff like that means nothing to me I care if it has like bluetooth and remote start <laughs> like that because okay. then I'm like that's cool and that makes my life more convenient you know, so you're like a tes- a Tesla type of person. Absolutely. Because- my wallpaper on my computer is a Tesla because that's my oh. my vision board, so to speak, yeah. is my wallpapers and stuff like that. Yeah, and that's very fitting because the quote that I intro with Elon, Elon Musk. Musk. Yeah, that's good. It's, so I nailed that. All right. Yeah. So that's um cool. So now what about how's disc golf going? And then I'll talk to you a little bit about my stuff and we'll roll right um, into the topic on performance. Yeah, we're doing we're doing pretty good. We're improving again we kind of went you know steady improve and then probably a plateau to like a slight decline now we're back on the rise again i'm starting to really shoot a lot better over the past couple of days so hopefully yeah. we just keep that up i still have not gotten to the point where i can get myself to take a goddamn day off um <laughs> played every single day for probably the past month i don't know i think i've taken like a total of three or four complete days off since i started playing yeah. But um, I don't know. Well, this is interesting, though, because we were talking about it last week. You're t- I was talking about how I started kind of plateauing. We were like, oh, maybe it's time to take a day off. So I was going to try to. But then I failed like six, seven o'clock rolled around. And I was like, yeah, fuck it. I'm going. And yeah. um, and I actually shot my best round that day. So I was kind of happy I didn't take the rest of the day off. So I was like, here I am. So mm. still, I'm still not figuring out what causes me to do better. But well, make sure you're taking notes on yourself. Uh, it's a really good idea to study yourself and study your performance and figure out what's, you know, it's just like you would do with working out, you know, you track your workouts. I used to, what I used to do when I was, um, when I was new to working out, my, you know, 14, 15, 16 years old, I was just obsessed about that as you are about disc golf. And I would literally carry this little notebook with me and I would write down everything, every detail about my workout. And at the end I would rate it. And I would give it a grade of A, B, and C or whatever it was, A minus. And then I would talk about why it wasn't an A plus. And I was like, well, you know, oh. I did this the day before. Um, I probably overtrained. And so I was constantly assessing myself. And what happened is I got really, really good at 
writing workout programs at a young age. And then I also became a student of myself and found out what my like success formula or winners uh, formula is for myself. Right. So if you keep a little note, there's a saying, I don't know if you've heard this before, but what gets measured gets managed, mm-hmm. which essentially means that, you know, if you, if you track what you're doing, you're going to see growth in it. But a lot of people don't do that. Um, yeah. Um, that's good advice too. And especially like the key in there, I think is the, you said you like grade yourself, you give yourself an A minus or something and then talk about why it's an A plus. I think a lot of people are intrigued by measuring what they do and they like, especially in sports, right? Like I can do that. There's an app for disc golf. That's like the fucking uh, industry standard, I guess we'll call it. It's like the app for disc golf. And you can do that kind of thing. Like I can track every single one of my throws when I go and play around, see like how far away from the basket I landed or how many putts inside of 33 feet I missed stuff like that. Like I can keep track of all that pretty easily. And I feel like people like to do that, but then they don't know what to do with those (laughs) measurements after they have them. You know, like I come home and I just look at it afterwards. I'm like, okay, on hole five, I landed inside a circle too. Then I missed the putt and then I made the putt. What do I do with that? (laughs) (laughs) Cool story, bro. Right. Um, And this this is good that we're talking about this because this will lead into today's topic, but I've been doing the same thing. So you're, you're doing, you're new to disc golf and you've been doing that this year and uh, I'm new to martial arts. And so that's been my journey over here on this side. And so it's pretty cool that we're both developing this new skill and kind of doing it in tandem. And uh, that does tie in to performance, um, studying yourself. Right. So on, on my side, you know, you, you mentioned something recently, you said, uh, uh, people don't know what to do with that information. And it, it kind of goes back to this problem that we see in society of always telling people what to do and not teaching them how to think, mm-hmm. you know? And so you, you, if you're studying yourself and you're trying to increase your personal performance on any level, right, we should be a, a fanatic about determining how to improve upon that skill, right? Like we should, we should constantly assess it. And one of the ways to assess it is to collect the data and then make a deduction. People don't know how to make a deduction. It's kind of like social media and, and memes and all the stuff that's going on in the world. People just are fed this information. doesn't matter what side of the, the spectrum you're on, but then they just turn into parrots and they repeat it. They don't ever make the deduction. You're <laughs> you know? right. And so anybody just ends up becoming a walking you know billboard or like i said parrot for whatever news channel they watch or whatever social media feeds that they're fed they just regurgitate that same stuff and there's no like logical thinking that's put through it that also goes into anyone that follows me on twitter sees me complain about this all the time but that goes into the like people are so like they romanticize statistics so much Mm -hmm. statistics and science you know you're hearing all the time with the covid bullshit that's going on And it's people have to learn that like statistics are only part of the battle. And it's kind of it's kind of a mixture of the logic and reasoning and actual thinking that goes behind it that actually makes them mean anything. There's this great quote. I have this little uh, perpetual calendar. It's actually a baseball calendar that I've been keeping for like almost 10 years now, I think, actually. But um, there's this quote from some old baseball player that and I, I think it's actually even older than that. I think he stole it from someone. 
But basically, the quote is something along the lines: "He says statistics are like bikinis; they show everything, but what you want, what you need to see, or yeah. something like that." And um, they show ninety percent, but not the good parts. And <laughs> but like it's it's so true. It's like they don't actually tell you the whole story, and people get suckered so easily into thinking that just because you measure it, you have to be right. And that, yeah, and that, and they're looking at the statistic from a lens of wanting to be right and confirm their their existing bias. Right. It's like, oh, this right. validates what I'm saying. Let me just share this right. with somebody instead of like actually taking it, breaking it apart. Um, and yeah, so on the COVID thing, they just announced we just got an emergency alert this morning that we everybody has to wear masks now. So Colorado, Colorado. must be yeah, in Colorado. So yes, we got that like that. a week ago. They're backpedaling across the yeah. country slowly but surely. But like, well. Well, yeah, well, that's another another topic for another go, day. Go listen to another podcast if you want to. Yeah, so we'll just get back on track with performance. So, you know, we're already dropping some really good nuggets for somebody that's trying to increase their uh, level of achievement. It doesn't matter if it's your leadership, doesn't matter if it's fitness, your mindset, whatever. Whatever that thing is for you that you want to achieve, you know, you should be a student of yourself and you should be collecting the data across time, making deductions and figuring out how to improve on it. Um, and you know, that's actually one of the reasons I like martial arts so much is because one of your jobs is the, is the, the fighter, the martial artist is to take all these different styles and create your own and make a deduction. But a lot of people just become a replica of whatever the coach is telling them to do. Right. Um, and so on, on my side, I like watching your journey on my side. That's where I'm at. And last week, this whole week has been phenomenal for me for fighting. It's been, I got, we did. <laughs> nine three minute rounds and and some most of those rounds were with this guy that he's got 30 professional fights uh so i went up against this guy and and it was a, it was just an awesome suck fest essentially what, so, how do you feel when you do stuff like that that's actually something that'd be interesting to talk about when you're doing something that you're a beginner at and you're being pitted up against someone that's a lot better than you like what 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 emotions go on inside of you is i'm assuming with you it's some combination of nervousness and excitedness and yeah. kind of almost ambition to like like i feel yeah. like you have that bone in you that's like really excited to get the crap kicked out of you if it's by someone that you're going to be able to learn a lot from during the process yeah i know i know when i start getting anxious that i'm growing and mm -hmm. so when i when i like when i've been stepping in the cage it doesn't matter who i'm with if i'm with a professional fighter that's done 30 professional fights or i'm with a guy that's close close to my skill level maybe he's got a couple more years of experience I still get the flush of nerves before I, I end up going with them, right? And uh, this whole journey has been new for me, but that process of stepping into something new isn't not familiar to me. I'm, I like that process, so I'm pretty comfortable there. And I got, I've gotten to a place now where um, I kind of, like I said before, I study myself. So I, like yesterday was a good example. We did those nine, nine three-minute rounds, and I was in the cage with this guy. And didn't know him, never rolled with this guy before in my life. And as soon as he walks in the cage, the, you know, my coach is like, hey, you're going to go up against this dude, you know, a couple three minute rounds. And I could feel my stomach starting to turn a little bit. Right. And I, but I didn't get scared and want to leave the cage. I got excited. I said, I internalize it differently. So from a performance standpoint, this is really good for everybody to do because this is real world, real time, how I'm going through something that's new and unfamiliar. So if you are, you can pull this nugget out too. And I'm, um, I walk in, you know, I, so I'm in the cage, he comes out and I feel that. And I say to myself, I'm not scared. I'm not nervous. I'm not fear, full of fear. I'm at my, my strongest right now. 
that feeling to me is my senses being heightened so that I'm more powerful and I'm more alert. I can feel my, my strength going up. I'm going into that fight mode. And for me, that's what it means. It doesn't mean, oh shit, I don't know what I'm getting into. I need to get out of here. You know, you're, I was essentially at the, faced with fight or flight at that moment, right? And my, my body's natural reaction, I, I kind of go, I lean more towards the fight uh, side of it. So um, that's doing something new for me is exciting because I go through all the same things that everybody else does when they do something new, the, the feelings of embarrassment, the discouragement, the doubt, wondering if you're good enough, if I'm too old to be doing this, whatever the limiting bullshit is. And I, I like that process because I get to overcome it. Um, and I get to actually give myself an outlet for overcoming these obstacles that are in my way. And uh, you, you brought up something else that was really, that's really important to touch on that I've, I dissected actually this morning and last night in detail. So I'm a big student of myself. I collect notes and I, on my martial arts journey, I literally have a log on my cell phone and it's tied to my computer so that every single time, I mean, every time, every time I go in, I train mixed martial arts, whether I'm doing jujitsu, striking, kickboxing, uh, it doesn't matter what it is. I, I log the activity manually. Okay. And I, I log the number of minutes manually. And then I, I summarize what actually happened. And then I, I, I pull out the key lesson. And I do this every single time. And if I miss it the night that I'm supposed to record it, then the following day I put it in there. But I've literally, I, I don't think I've missed a single entry since the beginning of this year. And so my goal as an individual is to keep, my first goal is to accumulate 300 hours of mixed martial arts training. My next goal is a thousand. That's kind of the progression that I'm, I'm focused on hours because I know that if I make, that's tangible. And if I make my focus intentional training hours, I'm going to get, the, it's a math equation. I'm going to get better. So um, we're kind of getting into some strategies for increasing your performance. And we'll break this down a little bit further. So this is how I'm going about it real time. And I did this same thing getting into the 75th Ranger Regiment. Okay, I did the exact same process. I studied myself every single day and improved upon it, improved upon it. Um, so last night, one of the things that happened, if you've ever fought before, it's a bit traumatizing. Okay. And you're, it's because your body doesn't know that it's not being killed right? It mm. thinks your body thinks that you're being killed, like, or you're, tr you're being threatened to the point where you could get killed. So you're taking hits nonstop, right? Maybe you're wearing pro protective gear, but it doesn't really matter because your body doesn't know that. And all your body's thinking during that moment is how the fuck do I get out of this? Yeah. Especially when you're up against a guy that's better than you. Yeah. Okay. And now on top of that, it's coupled with fatigue. Okay. And I've, yeah, Yesterday was a, was a great example of um, experiencing what I call the pain cave. Okay. And I learned this terminology in ultra running. And the pain cave is this area that you get to of suffering where your emotions are up and down, super high, super low, where you naturally, you want to quit. You almost want to cry. It hurts so bad. And you can't, your body is saying, help me, help me, help me but you're continuing to push forward. And a lot of people, when they get to that space, they'll, they'll quit. They'll say, hey, I can't do this anymore. And I literally saw this on my 100 mile race 
Um, I was out there, people were in the pain cave and there's this one lady and she's just in tears at mile 50 and she's just bawling and there's nothing causing her to cry except for the fact that she's so fatigued and hurting. She's just quitting on herself. Her emotions are so high that she's just done. Right. And she's just emotional. And that space right there is a really, really, um, important place to practice and get yourself into because you can teach yourself how to get through the pain cave. And it's a scary feeling. That pain cave, it feels like it feels a little bit like like you're claustrophobic. Like you can't breathe. Have you ever had somebody maybe when you're a kid put a pillow over your face or maybe you're, I don't know, friends or whatever, you're in, they hold you down and something happens where you can't get out and you feel like you're suffocating? Has that happened? No. <laughs> well, I'm not saying like it's like in an abusive way, but I'm saying no, I like know, I know what you're saying. I just I, you're asking the wrong person. <laughs> well, there's probably been a time where maybe you were underwater. Yeah. Okay, and you were a little down I, a little bit underwater. too deep. And you kind of got that right, you got a little bit deep and you you started going back up and you're like, shit, I don't know if I'm gonna make it. And you kind of your heart right. rate starts that feeling right there, right? So imagine that feeling in a hundred mile race. Okay. In a hundred mile race, that feeling of panic, it lasts a really long time. And you're constantly, if we're going to use this water swimming as an, as an example, you're constantly on the verge of catching your breath and going back down to that point of freaking out. You're catching your breath. You go, it's like this ebb and flow. And you're like, ah, ah, and you're trying to push through, you get your breath, you go back underwater. Right. It's just, and so it keeps going on and on. Now, it's less um, in an ultra race that pain cave for me was less painful. Um, the spikes were less painful and they were, just, they were more, they were, they were longer. Okay. Like they were like, you know, several minutes, if not hours of feeling in like I was in that pain cave, whereas fighting the intensity of the pain cave is higher, but the time is shorter. Okay, so it's, it's so I'm trying to convey this what it, what it's like in that moment and what it's what going through this for me is like. So I'm going up, I'm striking, um, I do several rounds, and I'm I'm already fatigued, and I go against this uh, professional fighter who's been he's my coach, he's a phenomenal athlete, and we start going, and I get into that pain cave while I'm fighting, and I can feel myself. So you're asking, how is it for me going through something like this? So I'm talking to you about, I talked to you about how I, how I feel initially, how I channel that fear, kind of get into the moment performance wise. I say, Hey, I'm at my strongest. And then I get into the fight and I start going and then I get fatigued and I get into the pain cave where I think I can't do it. I get pushed so hard and I'm so fatigued. My body is freaking out. It's in that panic state that we talked about with swimming and it's looking for a way out, except for there's no way out. And now I'm in like the survival mode. Holy fuck, dude, I got to survive. Like I'm fatigued. I can barely hold my arms up. I'm getting the shit beat out of me don't quit, don't quit, or quit, 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 right? That's kind of what my brain's saying. And the guy that I was fighting with, he had really good emotional intelligence. He could, he could read really good fighter IQ. So he's picking up on my energy levels and seeing, and he, and he, he can see me going through that challenge as he's going against me, right? And so he's trying to apply the right amount of pressure to keep me um, challenged, but also not shut me down. But I can feel him kind of pulling back as he notices I'm my body's going into that freak out mode and being like, fuck, I can't do this. And I'm kind of like 
instead of being offensive, I'm a little bit more defensive. I could feel him kind of shift back. And so at that moment, I told him, I said, don't do that. I said, don't pull back. I was like, keep smothering me, is what I told him in the, in the middle of the fight. And I said, I'll figure it out. And I think a lot of people, a lot of people don't want to keep fighting right there. They want to generate a fake injury and take a knee. Be like, oh, you hit me in the side. I gotta, I'm, I'm out. Or you're just better than me. I need a breather. I want to feel like my back is up against the wall and I want that suffocation, even though it feels scary. It feels like I can't breathe. It feels claustrophobic. I feel panicked internally. I'm saying, okay, if I can get through this, I'm growing. And I know that that separates from me from the guy that, that can't get through that stage. So how do I deal with it? I basically am studying myself across time from performance standpoint. If you want to get more out of yourself, if you can get to that place where you can separate what's going on, from from like you almost kind of like dissociate right does that make sense so you want to kind of pull yourself back study yourself and then keep yourself in the moment keep that pressure on because uh you know pressure is a privilege right what are your thoughts on all that that's i mean that's definitely that's that's kind of a universal concept they ended up circling back to there at the end is just to it, I'm trying to think about why people want to stop once they get to that point, particularly. I mean, the reasoning is kind of obvious and kind of not at the same time because you're getting the snot beat out of you and you're tired as shit. Like, you just want to stop. That makes sense. But I'm also thinking of the idea that people that do go through the whole thing, people that do actually take that extra measure and finish the fight or finish the race or finish whatever they do, they never regret it. And I think that's one of the things that people have to learn to think about before it actually happens is like, I'm, I'm not going to regret going to the gym this morning. I'm not going to regret showing up to this thing that I'm nervous about, you know, whether it's an ultra race, like a lot of the people that I know listen to this or into running and that kind of thing or whatever the case may be, you know, maybe in my world, maybe it's like my first disc golf tournament a couple of weeks ago, you know, my first like formal event. I, I was nervous going to it, you know, and I was kind of like, yeah, hey, maybe I just don't go or maybe I just go over and I don't participate and I just play by myself because that's where I'm comfortable. But you, you, you just never come out the other side regretting it because yeah, inside it, of you, you know that you're better now because of it. Yeah, you're looking for the long term reward off of it. And, uh, you know, what you, the concept you're talking about is called regret minimization. OK, it's a really good technique for making decisions. What am I going to regret the least? Because regret is one of the most powerful negative emotions a person can experience, along with shame. Oh, sure. So you you always you want when you're going through life, you know it it's the most heavy feeling that we can carry that has a negative effect on our self image, on these other different things. So from a performance standpoint, you want to reduce the amount of regret in your life, and that, yeah, that can that starts by whatever thing you're training in and trying to get better at your leadership, your skills, like your physical skills, whatever the disc golf, you know, fighting doesn't matter. Um, always ask yourself, what am I going to regret the least going into this? And, you know, the goal here with this episode is to help somebody double their performance. Okay. Literally a hundred percent increase is what I'm promising them in this mm -hmm. episode. And if you can, if you can just take that simple, we'll get into some other stuff, some other tactics, but if you can take that simple strategy of making all your decisions around what you're going to regret the least, 
and you execute on it every single time, you're going to you're going to double your performance. OK, you know, think of like. I mean, just think of how many times we try to talk ourselves out of the gym and then we regret it later. Right. If you could just compound it on that one thing or having a tough conversation, talking ourselves out of it. Right. And then regretting it later. OK, so regret minimization is a huge performance technique. It's good for making decisions. It's good for increasing your own personal performance in whatever area of life that you that you have. And guys, just a reminder, you know, we have a broad audience. So whatever message we're we're communicating here, apply it to your world. Don't let this stuff go over your head. It I guarantee it applies to your situation in some capacity. All right. So don't forget to pull that out. I can't um, you know, I think I said on the last one, I was like, I can't think for you, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Let's talk about I want to talk about identity a little bit. And because I, I know we're on a little bit of a time constraint today, too. So I'm going to try to keep it snapping here. But when okay. it comes to improving your performance by 100 percent, we're sticking to the theme here. Um, one of the things you talk about a lot is identity and kind of the story that you come up with in your own brain. So take it away. Yeah. Um, so the next the next tip, you know, is to increasing and doubling your performance 100 this this is a way to 100% increase your performance overnight and the the tip is to accept the fact that you're playing small in that area accept the fact that you're playing small okay we all are playing small compared to what we can do and a lot of times the, now a person there's going to be two people that are listening to this one person is going to say okay yeah i get that accept it right and not and 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 then there's gonna be this other person that says, nah, man, like, yeah, I get that. I get that. However, I'm doing X, Y, and Z. My situation's different. Well, you know like, what yeah, other people are gonna be saying? I want you to respond to this guy right now that I'm about to be to. But you're gonna have the people saying that what's really going on in their head is I'm doing, you know, 10 times more than person, person, and person. And they're gonna compare themselves to people that are doing less than them and kind of put themselves in that big fish in a small pond. So what do you say to that person, you know, that's doing something right now? And they're like, well, I do so much more than person A, B, and C. They still have that invisible ceiling. Yeah. Right. There's still that ceiling above their head that exists and it exists relative to their world. So I would tell, you know, it doesn't matter which story that the person's feeding me, I tell them, stop lying to yourself and just accept the fact that you're playing small, no matter what your situation is, even if you're at the upper tiers of your profession, right? Even if you're Tiger Woods, I tell Tiger Woods, hey man, you're playing small, brother. Like, yeah, you're killing yeah. it, but get, but if, if, you know, here, just think about like, uh, um, uh, uh, the guy that broke the four minute mile, Robert Bannister. Just think about him. Sorry, I was hesitant. <laughs> should know that like reflection yeah. <laughs> uh, just think about him like before him people thought that they were running fast right and then out of nowhere people forget that th that situation exists today in all fields there is another level that we have not seen that we're not tapping into that exists but you just have to believe that it's there and okay so that person that says you know hey i'm doing great already i'd say stop comparing yourself against you know, your current pond. If you're a fish in the lake, you need to compare yourself against, you know, whales in the ocean. Mm. All right. You just gotta, you gotta change the scale. You gotta, you gotta stop lying to yourself and you gotta change the scale and how you're perceiving your, your effort. Uh, a really good example. I think I've talked about this in previous episodes, but it is like the, the 12 mile ruck march, right? Story that I told you about, uh, in the army, you do the 12 mile ruck march. And when I first came in, 
I was running at max effort to get it done in four hours. Okay. I was on one little sliver in one little sliver of the army's, uh, uh, all the branches, right? I was an engineer. So my world, I thought I was doing, I was passing the standard, but guess what happened as my career shifted, I got into the infantry, I got into the 75th, I got into special operations, the environment, my perspective of what people were capable of changed because everybody else got faster at the 12 mile ruck march. And I no longer thought that, that four hours was impressive. I thought three hours was impressive. Then I thought two hours and 30 minutes was impressive. And I started studying those guys. And next thing you know, my effort stays the same across every single time I do the 12 mile ruck march, but I start comparing myself differently to these different people. And I go from a four hour, 12 mile ruck march to a one hour and 57 minute ruck march. The F, the eye level of exhaustion at both was exactly the same. The only thing was different was I kept changing what was acceptable and what I thought that I could do. And I only did that because I was comparing myself against people in a different environment, right? So that's a personal story, a personal example. So for somebody that has that invisible ceiling, like you can, you can absolutely disrupt the story that you're feeding yourself. If you accept the fact that you're lying to yourself about what your, uh, your potential is, if we have that individual now, okay, we've convinced him. Um, the next thing that you can do is, is prove it, prove that you're going to break this story that you're telling yourself. I do this with my clients all the time. I had, what's that? Unprove it. Yeah. Unprove it. Yeah. Like way back when, so people can go find that themselves too. When when they're done with this, if they're new to it, but there's one back a while ago where we talk about that whole concept to prove it. So yeah. Backing up your wants and desires with action. Okay. That's a great episode. Prove it. Um, so right now this individual is like, okay, I want to double my performance. What do I do? We, we've accepted the fact that, yeah, we're playing small and now we need to prove it. We need to, we need to convince ourselves that we can do more. And I've done this with you know, professional boxers. I've done this with, uh, you know, entrepreneurs that had side hustles. I've done this with, uh, corporate professionals that have a nine to five. It doesn't matter. The, the strategy is the same, but recently I did this with a client fit on the physical side. Okay. I've done this on the professional side too, but he was a guy that played football in high school, the current client played football in high school and had this story that he was telling himself that he's not a runner. And he had never ran more than four miles in his entire life. Okay. And here he was developing himself into what we call a leader athlete. I teach my clients to become leader athletes, see themselves that way. That way they're operating at a higher level. And I said, he's, he wanted to run and, and, and the way he saw himself was becoming a leader athlete that had good endurance. And he said, but you know, I've never ran more than four miles. And he's like, I've been on this, this workout program on a um, couch to, to 10K program that I'm doing for a couple of weeks now, and I'm working on it, but I just can't get past this belief that I'm not a runner. And I said, dude, listen, nobody thinks they're a runner, first of all. Okay, next, I gave him, I mean, I can't break it down exactly in this mm. talk here in this podcast, but I gave him some strategies and I basically told him, I said, dude, we need, what I want you to do is I need you to, I need you to run eight miles as soon as possible. I know your max is four. We need to, we need to run you, have you do eight miles ASAP. Okay. And we put a plan together and he did it 24 hours later. Okay. We broke. So what we did is we, we got him convinced that he was lying to himself. Yes. 24 hours. Like he's max. He's ever ran is four miles. He's on the, he's on the phone with me. We're talking. 
And I'm telling him, I'm like, listen, dude, you're playing small. And here's all the reasons why you're capable of more. Here's all the reasons why. Okay. By the way, now that I have your attention, you know, client, and you believe me, now we need to prove it. And he's like, fuck yeah, fuck yeah, let's do it. And so, so I guess what? Let's do an eight mile. I want you to double your performance ASAP. And he's like, let's do it tomorrow. And I'm like, boom, locked in. Yep. He goes out and he does it. Okay. Instant, instantaneous. He doubles his performance overnight. And I gave him some other things to work on while he was out there for his mindset. Okay. I said, Hey, focus on this, this, and this while you're thinking about the run. Okay. Prime example. Another one was a client that is in, she has a financial service company and she had a lull in her, her uh, client acquisition. And I said, what do you normally do for outreach? Okay. This is an area you want to increase your performance in. You want to get more sales. You want to make more money. What do you normally do for your outreach? And she told me she broke it down, gave me the numbers. She's like, I do X amount of calls a day, week, so on and so forth. And I was like, what's the most amount of calls that you've done in a day? She gave me the number. I said, guess what? Is it realistic? Could you, if you had to, double that number in one day? And she was like, ah, well, if I changed my schedule and I had allocated more time and I broke it up like this, she was like, yeah. And I was like, okay, so I want you to do a mini sprint on this goal and double your outreach in 24 hours. And then we put together a plan of action so that she was rewarded at the back end. And it was all part of a long-term strategy of, of doing her life, treating her life in sprint cycles. And she, she doubles her outreach and then her business triples in one month. Hands down. So, we're, so the point here is that we're all playing small. And if, you, if you're a listener and you're like, okay, okay, the technique that you can do to increase your performance overnight is pick something, pick that area that's important to you and, and double it. All right. Now be smart. Don't be an idiot about this. Okay. You have to, when I put my clients, that guy that ran four miles and I had him do eight, I looked at his current running progression. Okay. We were intelligent about it. And I said, Hey, rule number one is you don't get hurt. But the bottom line is that you can take this stuff and you can double it. Elon Musk's talked about this with his team. He said, Humans are capable of doing 10 times more than their current effort. It's like, and we, I mentioned this example to you earlier. So if the listener, you're listening to this, when do you get the most done out of the year? You know, right before a vacation, okay? <laughs> you're in a hurry. You have urgency right before a vacation. Like, shit, I got to clean the house. I got to make sure the dogs are straight. I got I to do all these different things. And you go into this like sprint and you had all that potential and energy in you all that time, but you don't use it until you have to. So let's stop lying to ourselves and accept the fact that we're playing small. I like it. <laughs> I, I just had a thought and it, it like slipped out of my mind right when you finished that up there because you 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 brought up potential and then I started thinking like, man, we should do an episode on like turning potential energy into kinetic energy or something <laughs> like that. Like I think that'd be so cool. And I totally lost track of what I was going to say. But on a side note, just in case anyone is still wondering too, I also did this for you, for y'all. Um, do I, I would recommend going back and listening to prove it. It was it was actually episode nine, which it's crazy to think about how long ago that was yeah. at, at this point. But um, that's that. And I think that's it. I mean, that's all I had on the agenda today. We covered everything, not in the order we thought we were going to, but we got through it all that I had. So is there anything that you have left? Um. I'll just, I just want to, because I, wanna, I always want to touch on the leadership aspect of what we're doing. Right. Okay. I, like we are focusing on the individual, but I just want to remind everyone that's, that's taking these tools that 
don't be selfish. Okay. The, the tools that I'm giving you, share them with your team. And that means that if you know that you're capable and you go out and you demonstrate that you can do twice as much as you think you can, okay, you lead by example, which is what we're supposed to be doing. Then the next step is to demand that of your team. Okay. Whether that's your family, your coworkers, it doesn't matter. Demand it of your team. And I'm not saying be a psycho about it, okay? I'm not saying like, I'm not saying like going, like go, go run an eight miler and then go into work and start fucking, you know, chewing everybody out yeah. for like half ass and stuff. Like, I'm not saying be a psycho. I'm saying find a way to finesse, you know, more performance out of your team. You know, have some emotional intelligence and understand that they can do more. And that's going to be a leadership challenge for you to figure out a way to convey that message. But that's up yeah. for the individual to do. But yeah. And well, just if you go back, go back and listen through a couple of the episodes again, like the kind of information we give on here that Jeremiah gives on here mainly, I just kind of pull the information out of him. But it, it, it just totally defeats the purpose, honestly, if you don't try to pass it down in some way, shape or form, like you're honestly, you're will your life improve a little bit if you just kind of hog all the information and just start improving yourself? Yeah, but not to the extent that it should, not to the extent that we're trying to get it to, that it will if you pass it down the line and then things start working better around you, which becomes cyclical and exponential in that point too. It's just going to be an upward spiral from there. So pass down the damn information. Absolutely. And then then for the new listener that's coming in, like maybe this is their first episode, or somebody that's got a, he's a couple episodes deep, it's important for you to teach this stuff because or, and try it out because it'll validate whether or not I'm full of shit. <laughs> like yeah, that's sure. what you should be doing, right? You should be listening. Well, let me see if this actually works. And when you go out and you try it, you're like, okay, he was right. And, he, and then you come back and, and, and it spreads the message. And, you, and what I want you to do is validate the information and then you test it out and then you teach somebody. And then it's, it becomes exponential. We can grow and grow and grow. And then some of you will come back and you'll be like, wow, that fucking sucks. That guy's full of shit. And you know what? Good for you. I mean, at least you figured it out. <laughs> if, yeah, if, if I say, if, yeah, I was going to say, if they do something that I recommend, then and it doesn't work, I'd say, well, I don't, maybe it's not for everybody. Listen maybe, to someone else. Like, that's, that's yeah, the answer yeah. there. Get the fuck out of yeah. here if that's you. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I'm not like, I'm just, I'm just trying to share the stuff that's worked for me and the stuff that's worked for my clients. And I'm doing it um, in a free, a free way that's easily accessible for everyone. So the information, so that I'm not hoarding it to myself, right? Like this is stuff that is taking a really, really long time to figure out. Um, and uh, so anyways, just please guys share it with your teams, make them better. And let's, and then and we'll go ahead and close off. Um, I will say, you know, I gave a practical tool about taking something you're currently doing and doubling it, right? That being the strategy, the, the tactic. Now you, you can do this. There is one more level of a practical tool that you can implement here. And what I would encourage somebody to do, if you want to double your performance, an easy way to do it is to double your day. All right. So just create like a mini day. Um, you can create what that, you can just determine what that looks like for yourself. But like, you know, an example would be 4 a.m. to 12 p.m. That's one day. Write your to-do list. And then in the afternoon, go through a similar morning routine, quote unquote, write out a new to-do list, and then tack the back end of the day, 12 to 8. And then what happens is you get uh, 14 days out of a week instead of, you know, seven. And that's you're doubling your performance there. So, and try it out. Go test it out. Have your teams do the same thing. Uh, Justin, do you have anything else before we close off? Uh, no. 
No, I don't. Okay. All right. Right on. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening again today. Thanks for taking notes, paying attention, being students of life. And, um, you know, really what we're trying to accomplish here is we're trying to move from ordinary to extraordinary. We're trying to become better leaders, lead by example so that others follow. Okay. And we're supposed, we're supposed to pull this information in so that we can show the way, so to speak. And by implementing this stuff, what you guys are doing is you're dedicating your life to a bigger purpose, a bigger you know, a vision of helping others and being an example that others can follow. And I'd like to close off with the quote that I mentioned at the beginning of this episode by Elon Musk. He said, I think it's possible for ordinary people to choose to be extraordinary. Okay. And if you, I love that word extraordinary because it, it really, it means extraordinary, right? And if you implement today's lessons, today's tactics, you're taking a situation in which you are acting ordinary, your normal performance, and you're building upon it. And you're adding a little extra to it, right? So you are becoming extraordinary. What? I was going to say, I don't know if extraordinary, that can be interpreted a couple of different ways. It might make some people want to be no, you're extraordinary. Over, you, you just ruined, you just ruined my, my outro, first so of all. I and second of all, you're, I, I, you want to think of it as above ordinary. I think that's a better way to put it. Yeah, you're the only one that's thinking of it the other way. All right. Just break down. Not anymore. I'm not, I, listen, I'm the only one that's thinking. Okay. <laughs> Period. All right. All right. Thanks for hijacking my outro. Ladies and gentlemen, you get the point. Go out and be extraordinary. Until next time, be the leader. I need some motivation. Motivation. Every day I try a little harder, but my dedication. Keep my head way, way above the water. Crying myself when I yell at the wall. Begging to run, but I needed to crawl. I see the finish line up ahead. Trying to get traction from all of this tread. I am a king. I am a queen. I am more than the people can see. I am strong when I'm needing to be. Vulnerability's nothing to me. You can try, but I'm unshakable. My successes is never debatable. I'm chameleon. I'm so interchangeable. Here's to you and all that you are capable. You gotta go hard, better get it. You gotta go hard.